0: Hey, welcome into Pastor Doug Talks About. I'm Garrett, and I'm here with Pastor Doug to talk about things. So, welcome in, Pastor Doug. Thank you. I'm so excited we get to talk about
1: things since the name of the podcast is Pastor Doug Talks About.
0: Yeah, actually, today I was thinking we could possibly talk about something that you mentioned in your sermon this week, and that is how to practically be the salt and light of the world. because your sermon did a great job of talking a little bit about what that is and how to it's, it's our mission to be salt and light in the world straight from Jesus's mouth. And it was confusing. Then it's a little, we probably have made a little more sense of it now over 2000 years of really being able to dissect that. But still, how do you suggest we practically start being salt
1: and light in this world today? Well, first of all, I know you think I'm old, but I haven't been working on this for 2000 years. This is something that I've just been more like yeah, 800 years or so, but uh, it's one of the reasons I'm really glad we started this podcast because one of the things that is true for me all the time is I, I will work all week in my study, trying to put a sermon together and given the constraints of what we're aiming at, how much time I have, uh, trying to make sure that I'm driving home a, a, an important point that people will remember. The fact of the matter is so much stuff doesn't make it to the sermon. And as they say, it ends up on the cutting room floor. And I felt like this week, <clears throat> we're dealing with this gigantic principle, and it's familiar. Most people, Christians or not, know that Jesus said something about being salt and light. and And I think most of us, probably could quote that Jesus said that, but then how does that actually get into our practical lives? It's this big principle. And one of the big dangers of being Christians who believe the Bible is that a lot of times we can get principles in our head and we think, okay, I've got it, but it doesn't translate into my life. And if it doesn't translate into my life, I would say that's probably the number one thing that unbelievers are upset about when they hear us say things, but they don't see us do them. So it's one of the things I've really been praying about in the last week or two is, God, uh, how do we help people take this from the idea of this big principle that we all have heard before and go, okay, so what difference is I going to make on a on a Thursday afternoon in my life?
0: Yeah, because I would think every Christian would probably agree that we should be representatives for Jesus in this world, and that should stand out. But um Again, I wanted to take this time to get a little more practical with exactly what we might be able to start doing, because look, you know, everyone lives in a different situation. Everyone live in different cultures too. Um, but the fact is, we can hopefully give some helpful advice. Maybe people can start making these baby steps of changing and adapting and growing and taking those steps on how to be salt or be light and what they should be looking for in doing so. So that's kind of what I was curious about today too, is just practically what advice would you be giving for those people to start making those changes in
1: their lives? Yeah, I really hope so because the truth of the matter is if we, uh, if we don't, if we don't get this stuff from our heads to our hearts, to our hands, then How does the gospel advance? Clearly, just talking about things is not the big thing that changes lives.
0: Yeah, I actually
1: heard um, one of our neighboring pastors, they
0: put a clip out on their socials this week, and um, he mentioned that, he gave us a great analogy of, you know, there's a Football game on. You know, everybody's paying attention to football these days, right? Especially those Taylor Swift fans. They're loving football. People are loving football these days. But you don't just watch a football game to see everybody huddle up and then go home. And that's kind of how we treat coming to church a lot. It's just we come for their weekly huddle, we get together, say these great things, encourage each other, and then go home and wait for the next huddle. But that's not how we should be living life. We should be huddling up and then going out. And actually doing something, performing
1: plays, right? And there's a reason we huddle up. Because, yeah, the huddle only matters in so much as it helps you move the ball down the field. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, well, that's as far as we'll go for you non-sports people out there. We won't take this any further than that. But the bottom line is uh, we actually do have to make it happen in our lives. So uh, one of the things that I love about the analogy of salt and light is that both of them, are best when they're diffused and i think you know that the if if the light if only the inside of the light bulb is light that doesn't chase the darkness out of the room one of the beauties of light is that it travels and it and it diffuses and it lights an entire room from one light bulb that's a that's a powerful principle that we need to keep in mind as well as christians you will never hear me say, let's don't get together. Let's not you know, pray together. Let's not have groups. Let's not have worship services. We need to do all of that stuff. But the truth of the matter is the gospel advances when we leave the building. We have to diffuse. And again, a, a rock of salt is awful. You wouldn't want to chew on that. Yeah. But you take it out of the salt shaker and sprinkle it across your food, and it's fantastic. And so it's just such a necessary thing that we get over the false idea that ministry happens in church programs primarily. Ministry is never intended to happen primarily in church programs. It does happen in church programs. But if that's only the case, then all we ever do is minister to each other. Mm -hmm. But there's a lost world out there who needs Jesus. They are living in the darkness. They are living without salt. And we are called to go and be among them. And the cool thing is you don't have to go anywhere. All of us are among them all the time. The problem is we're not usually thinking of ourselves as ministers during that time we're we're at work we think of ourselves as a as a clerk or as a salesperson or or whatever it is that we do we're not thinking that the lord has put me among people I have a chance to love people as a clerk. I have a chance to love people as a salesperson. I have a, t- a chance to build relationships. I have a chance to recognize needs and find ways to meet them. Whether I'm, it's, it's a work situation, whether I'm a student at school, I think for students, this is such an awesome thing. From kindergarten all the way up to college. You're in a ton of relationships with people your own age. When you're at school, you have a chance to influence people. But how often do we even talk to students about that and try to encourage them to go, hey, you get to you get to represent Jesus while you're on this campus. So I think we really do have to find ways and we can talk more about it here today. What some of those ways might be. But we really do have to find ways to go. I'm not going to think of ministry as being go to the church and someone ministers to me or even go to the church and I minister to someone. We need to do those things, but we're already doing those things. I think where the church is, uh, frankly, quite weak, when I say the church, I, I do mean Grace Fellowship, and I mean the church at large. The whole church is, frankly, quite weak in our country, is that um we don't think of ourselves as light and salt. And isn't it interesting that right at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, before these people have really had a chance to go, oh, yeah, I, 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 I'm I really interested in what Jesus has to sell, he starts talking to them about their responsibility to be salt and light. And we have to get out of our little comfort zones to do that. Okay, so how do we then
0: actually change our mindset to doing so? Do you have any practical tips of... This is what you should think about. This is what you should do. Um, what? What's your advice when someone comes to you like, how do I start making a difference?
1: Yeah, I think it's basically the third time you've asked that question, and I haven't answered yeah, it Yeah, I'm, yet, I'm so. trying to get
0: you there. <laughs> yeah. We'll get you there Thanks eventually. For your help. <laughs> Yep. Uh, Keep listening. This is going to be like a three yeah, hour episode. Yeah, so. Exactly.
1: Um, I, I would say, on the one hand, we need to actually do something. Yeah. We talked uh, about a couple things in the sermon that I just hit on and talked about but didn't bring to the point of practical application. One is, where's our mind focused, right? Uh, We talked about in Psalm 73, Asaph writes this psalm, and the whole time he's depressed and discouraged and ready to give up, he's not doing any ministry during that time. And why not? Because he's ready to throw in the towel because he's so disturbed by the darkness of the world around him. And we noticed that all of the pronouns during that section of the psalm were all about they, them, they, there, they. And he's not looking up at God during that time. So this is gonna sound very preachery, like almost cliche, but, but let me warn you folks, take it seriously. We have to start with our focus We have to actually practically do things to lift our eyes off of the darkness and up to the light because there's no light in us except for Jesus. So he's got to minister to us so we can minister to others. And so part of it begins with changing our focus. And that I think most people don't want to hear because we're comfortable with our focus. Mm -hmm. But the truth of the matter is, I use the uh, illustration in the sermon that we're looking down at our phones so much. Well, of course we are as a whole society. And, it used to be that people my age just were so frustrated with younger people because all they do is look at their phones. I, I was in a hospital waiting room yesterday, surrounded by people, uh, and most of them were over forty, and every one of them is just looking at their phone.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say at least young people nowadays can look at their phone quickly. <laughs> that's the advantage we have. Yeah, so.
1: a, I'm usually looking at my phone, saying, "Is there a young person who could tell me how to do this?" Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but so whether it's that I'm I'm looking at my phone. And when I think about looking at my phone, I'm thinking of just the Internet. I'm thinking of all of social media, all of that kind of stuff. Listen, the Internet is not bad. It's not a vast wasteland. Social media is not a vast wasteland. AI, which so many people are terrified about these days, is not a vast wasteland. The question is, how are we going to use these things? And. There's a lot of great stuff on your internet and it doesn't all have to be listening to preachers, but there are podcasts. There are people you can follow on Instagram that are going to lift you up and point you to Christ. There are ways for you to connect with groups of like-minded people. There, There are prayer circles and all kinds of stuff you can do. So I'm not saying throw your phone in the trash, but let's be honest. How much time is spent looking at stuff that is just selling me the world's point of view and 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 it numbs me to it and I become used to it.
0: Yeah it's funny as a well I don't even know if I'm considered a younger person anymore to be honest with you but it's all relative as, you're
1: younger than me yeah
0: as someone who has grown up with their phone and who is on social media often um there is a big difference to me about time spent where I'm just seeing the filth and trash of the world like I mean heck go on t- pretty much anyone's Twitter these days and and I'm not even saying it's necessarily like depraved things or or anything like that, but it's just like man, world news and and sad things are going on, and people are going through it, and it's you you spend an hour going through that stuff, and you are kind of like, man, I need time to relax off of my relaxation time. But there is a lot of encouragement and some cool stuff out there that can really build you up, which I think that's some great advice, you know, be looking for those opportunities to follow some creators or accounts that are going to be lifting you up. Um, and that's going to make a difference in what you're thinking too. I see you reaching for your Bible. So that's a good sign. Um, what are you
1: thinking right now just one of my very favorite passages of scripture is the whole chapter of ephesians excuse me philippians 4. Mm -hmm. ephesians 4 is wonderful too but (laughs) philippians 4 um, is incredibly practical and it, it starts off dealing with those of us who are struggling with anxiety and it gives us practical steps to take to deal with sinful anxiety not all anxiety is sinful but with sinful anxiety and uh, so we learn that we're supposed to be thankful and prayerful and those kinds of things. But if you just keep on reading after this section where it says in chapter, in verse six, it says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything with prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And that's the f- familiar part that most of us have heard. But if you just read uh, just one more verse, you go to t- verse eight and it says, Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, anything worthy of praise. Oh, I I skipped a line. Whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. Or some translations say, let your mind dwell on these things or fix your mind on these things. The implication here is that we get to choose what we focus on. And that's such an essential part of all of this. So, again, many Christians I know have read these verses, and they they certainly nod and say amen. But do they actually watch something different on television or not watch television? Do they actually get up and read their Bible? Do they actually listen to music that will point them to Christ? Do they actually try to when they're uh, among groups of people, are they, are they trying to see themselves as light to those who are still in darkness and also being encouraged by those who are also in the family of God? Um, what do we focus on? And sometimes it's not just focusing on like sinful things like, oh, you're listening to bad lyrics or you're watching porn or something like that. Obvious. Those things are relatively obvious. But the but. Oftentimes it's that we're simply not focusing. We're letting everything come in and we're giving everything access. And at some point we need to become more discriminating thinkers. We need to decide what we let our minds dwell on. And one of the reasons is that in Corinthians it talks about the nature of spiritual warfare. And it says, the weapons of our warfare are not fleshly. But they are mighty through God, the pulling down of strongholds, casting down of imaginations, and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. One of the things that tells me is that the main battle, the spiritual battle that we're all so fascinated by, is actually a battle of the thoughts. And God says, choose your Thoughts. Choose what you focus on. I don't get a choice about every thought that pops into my head. I don't get a choice about every, every billboard on the highway or every commercial that comes up or anything like that. But I do get a choice about what I dwell on. And I think we do need to change our focus. Listen, and and, and let me just say this to the Christians who are listening. We get in our little holy huddles and it's so easy for us to just commiserate about how awful the world is. That should be a given. We know the world is awful. That's why we're here. And we're supposed to be part of the solution. So instead of cursing the darkness, we need to go, okay, what are we going to do differently? And I think it starts with focus. And then it moves from focus to actual activity.
0: Yeah, I think that one of the other sides of this coin, too, that is valuable to keep in mind is that, it is so important to do those things and to be meditating on what is good and what is holy, because it's also important for us to not just be light in a room that's lit up constantly, mm-hmm. right? We we need to go seek out dark rooms with people who don't have light and be a light to them. Otherwise, why be light at all if everyone else around us is just light, right? To go along with that analogy. so. In order to do that successfully, though, it does require us when we are on our own, when we are with God, when we are really anywhere to be in light and to be um, focusing on the word and focusing on God and our relationship. That way, when we are in the dark, that's what lights up the room, not yeah. other.
1: We don't get covered up by the darkness. That's such a helpful thought. That a room full of light is not sitting around going, "I wish there was some light in here." Mm-hmm. Uh, and and let me just uh, try to get to some nuance with this because I love what you said. We got to go find a dark room where we can make a difference. Uh, that has to be done with careful, prayerful thought. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't suggest that you just go hang out at a strip club because you know that there's a need for light there or you get involved in a street gang because, you know, there's a need for light. there, something like that. Those are obvious statements. But uh, but we do need to develop relationships with people who are lost. Yeah and and heck even strippers
0: and gang members yeah, those are the people that need the right. light too and
1: and those are people Jesus hung out with exactly right so we don't have to necessarily go into sinful situations mm-hmm. but we do have to have relationships with people who live their lives in sinful situations because it's not about being light in a situation it's about being light to a person and all ministry is about relationships so one of the things that we need to be better at and, and some of us um, serious Christians, now I'm talking about people who take Jesus very seriously, that the I'm in church every time the building's open kind of people. A lot of times we can get so good at surrounding ourselves with Christian relationships that we either don't have non-Christian relationships or we resent them and we end up giving off such a bad vibe in those relationships that people are pushed away from Christ because we're judgmental or or we're harsh or or we're demeaning. And so we need to be careful about that. But we do need to seek out opportunities for relationships with people who don't know Jesus. And this is not street corner preaching. I'm talking about there's somebody at the cubicle next to you at Monday through Friday every week who doesn't know Jesus. I'm talking about the fact that your kids on a soccer team and you're standing on the sidelines with other parents every weekend cheering for a seven year old who's never going to get the ball in the net. And everybody's excited about that. But what there's an opportunity to go to pizza after that game and actually get to know those people. And it's not about being preachy and it's not about anything like that. It's about intentionally building relationships. And as a pastor, this is particularly challenging for me because I work in a church setting Um most of my relationships are with other Christians. So so we've had to really, Christy and I have had to really make a point saying we're going to develop relationships with people who don't know jesus and we're going to spend time with them in such a way that we have a chance to make a difference and this was uh one of the ways we did this when our children were younger and you'll remember this garrett is uh for you you were always playing sports Mm -hmm. so that put us around other families and we built those relationships and i made a point that I was going to be there on the sidelines, involved and helping to coach and do all that kind of stuff. And the primary reason was I wanted a relationship with my son and I wanted a relationship with these people. And that gave us opportunities to be light for people. And uh you you might have a PTA Situation at your kid's school, or maybe there's a um, a community club. Maybe you're into cycling, and you could join a club that has nothing to do with Christian cyclists. Are us. Just a group of people that you're going to actually stop and drink Gatorade with and have a chance to talk and build relationships. You're going to hear from those people about needs in their lives. Somebody just lost a loved one. Somebody just got laid off. Somebody is having a physical problem or a marriage problem. It's an incredible opportunity for you to shine the light of Christ in people's life just by loving them. And and there will be opportunities where you'll get to talk to them about the gospel, but you earn the right to talk to people about the gospel by building relationships yeah. with them.
0: And you you mentioned this, but being intentional about that too, and what you're doing and what you're taking part of is going to be, I think, what really helps us stay on track because it can be easy to say, oh yeah, my kid's on a, a team. I'd love to be a coach. I'm sure I could be a good influence. And then, you know, maybe uh, you're nice to the kids and and then four years from then, what difference did that really make um, ultimately? But when you're going into these situations and you're looking, how can I actually spread the light, you know, um, or maybe you're looking at situations like, hey, you know, there are people in need that I can actually love on as someone who loves Jesus too and just love on them like, you know, Foothill Kitchen um, out here who serves homeless people, food who are in need and people who are really in need or the Pregnancy uh, Crisis Center, which is just down the street from us. Those are a lot of people who need help. And we are people who can give back practically by signing up for you know, once a week helping out or once a month or, or at an event or something like that, and actually intentionally going in with, Hey, these are people in need. I want to help these people. I have light to give just from my Lord God who gives me light. And, um, I I just encourage people to look for chances to do that. I know most people I know feel like they're stretched so thin right now in what they're doing with their lives that you may have kids or, um, you may be, Uh, you know, everyone's at a different stage of life, but we're all busy. In our own minds, we're all very busy for the most part, and adding one more thing onto our plate sounds daunting, because it frankly is, and I respect that, but the truth is, maybe you should analyze what else is on your plate right now, Um, because if those things are not spreading God's light to people right now, then why does that have priority over something that could be? Because if we really want our lives to be about being the salt and light of the earth, then we need to think about where our priorities lie.
1: Yeah, and and that is absolutely essential to actually making a difference instead of just talking about making a difference. Mm -hmm. And let's be honest, most of us feel very busy, but the truth of the matter is, You get the same 24 hours a day that everybody else gets. You get the same seven days a week that everybody else gets. It's not like some people have more time than other people. We all decide what to do with our time. And, you know, again, this makes people squirm in their seats a little bit. But in order to add something that is of of eternal significance to your life, you might have to say no to something that you really want to do that isn't of eternal significance. And God honors that. And I've seen him do that again and again and again. So I'm not saying let's just all hole up and be monks and and get away from this dark world. I'm saying exactly the opposite of that. Um, One of the reasons as a church that we do not try to fill the calendar every week with church events is because how is it that we want you to come to some church event? seven days a week oh and by the way lead your neighbors to christ and by the way coach your kids little league team and all that kind of stuff when are you supposed to do that you have a boss at work that is always chomping on the bit that you you need to put in overtime and everybody wants a piece but you know what jesus owns us we belong to him and so he gets all of us and And when you think, man, right now I'm having to work 60 hours a week because the boss is really requiring this. That means that 60 hours a week, you're in that place of influence with those people. So we just have to realize I am a Christian wherever I go. I am a light wherever I go. I can't have this false dichotomy that says I have a Christian life and I have a work life or I have a Christian life and I have a social life you have a life and your life belongs to Jesus Christ. You've been bought with a price. So I want to get even more practical now because you you keep trying to get me there. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so here's what I would say. Literally, find a need and meet it. Mm. Love is meeting needs. If you don't believe that, go to Matthew chapter 25 and listen to Jesus talk about the the separation of the sheep and the goats. He's like, oh yeah, the sheep, they're the ones because they're sheep they go visit in prisons they feed the hungry they clothe the naked they visit the sick that's what sheep do he's not saying that's what makes them sheep he's saying because you're sheep that's the evidence of your sheepiness right mm-hmm. and so and, and 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 so he's making it incredibly practical right there and what I would say, you mentioned a couple things. Uh, there's a there's a ministry here in DeWarty called the, the Foothills Crisis Pregnancy Center. If you have a heart for people who have unexpected pregnancies and you have a heart for unborn children, it's an incredible opportunity. You go, well, I, I don't want to go stand in front of a clinic with a sign. Well, guess what? They don't do that. You know what they do? They they give free health care to pregnant women. They, they give ultrasounds so that they get a chance to see their baby. They give counseling. They give opportunities. They help provide diapers and they help provide uh, social services. They do all of these kinds of things so that not only are we saving a baby, but we're ministering to the mother who finds herself in a crisis situation and maybe the father as well. So. That's a wonderful thing. And you know what? They need people to stuff envelopes. They need people to fix computers. They need people to mop floors. Like there's a ton of needs right there. You you also, uh, there's actually two food ministries with the word Foothill right in our area here. One is Foothill's Kitchen and the other is Foothill Unity Center. Foothill Unity Center is even a broader thing. I, I, I'm I, a big fan of both of those ministries. but it's even broader because if you're a person who is in financial difficulty you can go to Foothill Unity Center and they have connections to every social service that's available out there whether it comes through a nonprofit organization through the government or whatever and they can help get you food like groceries on your table tonight they they need an army of volunteers so if you have a heart you, you see the homeless situation you can curse the darkness You could say, oh, there's homeless people wherever you look, and why doesn't the government do something about these tent cities? Or you could say, you know what, I could actually be somebody who's putting a ladle full of soup in a bowl for somebody that is making a difference in their life. And if that's not what you're passionate about, you go, hey, I I could coach a little league team. But, man, you better not just be there to show people how to throw a curveball. You better be there to show them how to hit a curveball. And I'm talking about the kind of curveballs that life throws at you. It's an incredible opportunity. You know, there are people in our church who are part of our church because... Somebody coached their kids little league team, got to know them and invited them to come. So if you're like me, a sports guy, go coach something like it's an incredible opportunity. Uh, And and whatever your interest is, there's overseas missions that you can you can support from right here at home. There are there you you probably won't remember this, but the the first President Bush, uh, George W. Bush, Uh, one of his big things, I think it was in his inaugural address, he talked about what he called the thousand points of light. And he he basically said to the American people, listen, we've got to stop depending on government to meet everybody's needs because we've been diffused everywhere. So you be somebody who meets people's needs, wherever you are, a thousand points of light. Like how many Christians are there in the United States? What would it be if, Like if all of us saw ourselves as light, and we just look for a way to be light where we are. So you don't have to go seek out a dark place. The world's a dark place. Get out there where people are struggling And do something to serve them. So the challenge I would have for people is to say, okay, I'm not going to just nod my head and say amen to this. There's going to actually be a change to my schedule, or there's going to be a change to my finances, or there's going to be a change to my prayer life. There's going to be a change to my relationships. Do something different. Because what we've been doing, church, is not enough. And the world is looking at the church and going, at best, it's irrelevant. We can't let that be the case. Nobody looked at Jesus and said, man, that guy is irrelevant. Yep. We've given you some practical
0: tools. We hope you can take some of those away. Literally, you can check out what Pastor Doug was just saying. He mentioned a bunch of different places where you can serve and make a difference today. So I encourage you, if nothing else from this podcast afterwards, pray to God and start considering where your priorities lie and how you're light. In your time and from there, make some decisions. Maybe make the decision to keep going what you're doing. That'll be great too. But either way, I hope that this brings you some encouragement and some direction for how you can start being practically the salt and the light in the world today. And I want to try a new catchphrase as we send you out today. So we're gonna we're gonna test the waters here. This is exciting. I know. Let's try it. We love you. Now go love on someone else.